Hey, kid. A little young for a bartender, aren't you? A little old for prom, aren't you? Everything in here. Why the map? It's the biggest treasure that's never been found. Five billion easy. But it's just a story. I beg to differ. Five hundred years ago, my family found the world's biggest fortune, then was betrayed. People have been searching for it all in vain. Both you turn your keys clockwise at the same time. Thanks a lot. You almost got me killed. Clockwise, Sully. Well, it was 50-50, so I made a guess. Clearly. But the voyage was not just about gold. It was something much more valuable. This girl has a very tragic history. So much blood. I'm pretty sure he just threatened to kill me. Oh, this is gonna suck! Don't get caught. You were just gonna leave me back there. Somebody had to get the cross. brother believed that there was a final piece. Well, you know my brother said? You have no idea who you partnered with. What else aren't you telling me? The victor spoils. How are they going to get them out of here? What is that thing on your face? Yeah, puberty's right around the corner, kid. You can grow your own. Exclusively in movie theaters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen, and on deck for today's episode. My movie of the week, checked out Uncharted, starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Saw it in the IMAX. You'll get my full thoughts and review on that movie coming up later in the show. Also going to be discussing two very huge news tidbits that happened in the wrestling world last week. One being the return, possibly, of Stone Cold Steve Austin to WWE, but not just to appear, ladies and gentlemen but to actually wrestle a match, which he hasn't done in over 20 years. You'll get my thoughts on that. And Cody Rhodes leaving AEW and now is a free agent. Where is he going to go? You'll also get my thoughts on that later on in the show. But wanted to talk about these last couple of weeks. Obviously, we're on the road to the Batman. So not a lot happening box office-wise, but we did have two pretty good movies uh, for choice this weekend. First one being Uncharted, as I just mentioned, which took number one at the box office, opened up to $43 million over the three-day weekend. Now, the studios and all the trades, they're all reporting $51 million, right? That's including 
President's Day weekend, right? So that includes the Monday holiday. Me, I'm a three-day open type of guy. I want to know the box office on the Friday, Saturday, and the Sunday. That's the number that I always pay attention to. So either way, still a success here. For Sony, which is, they're on the biggest role ever, I think, ever in the history of the studio, no? You would think. They had Venom starting from last October. Then they had Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was uh, a way better success than the 2016 relaunch that they tried. And then, obviously, they had the biggest movie probably since Endgame in Spider-Man No Way Home, which is still raking in money at the box office. It was number three this weekend, and I'll go through the whole report of what everything made. And now we got Uncharted here. $43 million for a video game IP property, but this is the first feature of that, so kind of an original movie, even though it's based off of a, a product that's popular in the video game world. I don't know how popular. I, I'm not in that world. Uh, you all who play could probably lecture me more on that. But in terms of an, an original movie, this is the first time we're getting something like that. So that's good for us in our industry. Me, I work in the movie theaters. So I love to see numbers like this for something other than comic book movies and, and big IP movies. Although the Uncharted, the video game and that stuff would be considered like the giant IP. But since this is the first one, was it going to hit? Was it going to land? And I'm telling you, movie stars and star power matter. Now, I think if they had casted, you know, whoever so-and-so in a movie based on a video game that wasn't, like, well-known, it'd be a dud. So there's hope in creating a new star in Tom Holland post-Spider-Man. Then you you add in a Mark Wahlberg. And you you got a success here, and Sony is riding that high, so they they got a new you know franchise on their hands. So we'll see what happens in the future with this. But a fifty one million over President's Day weekend that looks really good, as opposed to this making only like five or ten million. And this is a movie that cost one hundred and twenty million to make, so this thing has to make a profit. And it's already opened overseas, and it's made already over a hundred million. So. It's well on its way to being a success financially. Now, you'll get my thoughts on the actual movie itself in just a little bit. But in terms of box office, in terms of success, we can label that as a yes. And that's good, right? Because we want other things to succeed. Like, we don't want it to just be, like, the huge, 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 giant blockbusters. Although this is considered a blockbuster, too. But it's still not on the level of, like, a Spider-Man or a Batman or a Jurassic World. You know, it's not on that level. So it's nice to still see the success. Another movie that opened up this past weekend was a small little, I don't know if it's, I guess you want to call it like a comedy drama starring Channing Tatum called Dog, which basically it's what it is. It's about him supervising this ex-military dog, uh, hopefully getting the chance to go see that one, hopefully sometime later this uh, this week. That opened up kind of a little bit higher than expectations. Um so, so let's go through the box office here for this past weekend. This is for three days, from February 18th through the 20th. I'm not counting the President's Day holiday, which is uh, this past Monday. So Uncharted, $43.8 million. Dog coming in at $14.9 million. Now, for a movie like this, uh, from a small, like, United Artists company, you know, they're not as big of a movie studio as they used to be. You know, it was not neatly promoted. Like, I saw it everywhere, so it had the marketing. But, like, movies like this now, 
usually probably get stuck on Netflix or Amazon or, or Paramount or whatever. So it's nice to see people turning in for an alternative movies like this that's not high stakes. It's not high CGI. It's not high action. It's a story about a guy and a dog. So that still works, obviously, with people. Family drama, comedy, that all works. A lot of families going to see that this past weekend. So good for that movie. I consider that a success. And I think this movie only costs like 15 or 18 million to make. So it's going to make a little profit. So that's awesome. And as I mentioned, Spider-Man No Way Home is still raking in the money coming in at number three. It's 7.2 million. So right now it's sitting already at 770 million. I think it just passed, uh, I want to say Avatar. Um, and there's rumors or I've been reading little tidbits. I don't know if this is confirmed. So I'm not making this a definitive statement. But there's uh, reports coming out that there may be uh, a little bit of an extended cut of this movie releasing, probably like a week or two after Batman comes out. So be on the lookout for that as Sony has to capitalize as much as possible. They want to make as much money with this thing as they possibly can. Is it going to end up passing Endgame or or Star Wars The Force Awakens? I think those are the only two movies left in its path. Possibly, I think, Black Panther 2, but I don't think so. Um that remains to be seen, probably not, but it's going to be on home video soon, so I believe in April, so I think they want to capitalize a couple of more weeks with this thing. It's still at our theater, and people are still coming out to see it, so that's incredible for that movie. Uh, number four, Death on the Nile at 6.5 million, and then number five, Jackass Forever at 5.2 million, so again, Uncharted and Dog, still, you know, our theater was not super busy, but busy enough that it's like, okay, this... We're, we're, we can stop using like the pandemic as an excuse for movies, uh, succeeding or not succeeding. So people are still coming out in droves to, to see movies like an Uncharted or a dog. And then obviously, uh, we'll see what the Batman does in a few weeks, which, you know, I'm not expecting anything on a Spider-Man level because th- that had a lot of different factors going into it. Uh, this is actually just another Batman movie. Like it's the start of a new series, hopefully, but. You know, it's not anything that we've been building to, like, because we've been getting Batman over the last couple of years. So, you know, we'll see if there's fatigue. We'll see if this thing's going to have legs, which is really what I'm looking at. I'm not really looking at the opening number and, like, trying to crush records or anything like that. No. Is this movie going to be good? Is it going to have longevity? Is it going to be like a Batman Begins? Because if you all remember, when Batman got relaunched in 2005 with Christopher Nolan... That movie didn't open huge. Like, it gained a following, like, for the long run. And then, obviously, developed a huge following on home video. So, it wasn't, like, a huge thing out of the gate. Like, The Dark Knight took it to a whole nother level, um, at least back in its day. So, you know, I'm kind of predicting, like, a similar thing for this movie. Although, it won't be as low as Batman Begins. I think Batman Begins did around, like, 45 to, like... 80 million because I think it opened on a Wednesday when that movie originally came out. So I'm not expecting anything big, like gigantic. Um, it's still projected, I think, at 135 or 150 to 180, something somewhere around that range. A couple of weeks ago, I was thinking a little bit over 200, but now I'm thinking like eh, maybe a little bit less. But if the movie's as good as you know, this thing's being tested already for like regular audiences, not just like studio execs and you know critics. But there's, there's screenings going on for regular, you know, movie going audience people. 
And the early word coming out of it is that it's fantastic. And if Warner Brothers is doing things like this already, that means that they're super confident in, in this movie, uh, not only doing well financially, but that it's actually going to have longevity because it's good and people are going to want to go back and see it because it will be a theater exclusive because this is the first Warner Brothers movie that stops with the the double HBO Max <laughs> same day and release streaming and in the theaters like that's gone. You know, that, that ended up backfiring against Warner Brothers, like, really bad. Um, as, you know, even The Matrix Resurrections, you know, that movie didn't do anything and the movie wasn't good. But the people that were behind it are suing Warners over that uh, deal of it being released in theaters and on HBO Max. Which did, it did hurt it, like, uh, box office-wise. So, just goes to show that that was a, it was a nice idea at the time with the pandemic in, in full effect. But... Now that we're kind of already like at the tail end of this thing, kind of, you know, and we're seeing audiences come back for movies and, and not just for the big ones, but you know, Scream was a success. Jackass had people come out for it, even though movies like that don't really flourish in the theaters anymore. People still came out. It was number one at the box office. So yeah, the Batman will be a theater exclusive and we'll see how it does. Um, couple of other things I want to talk about before we get to, before we take a break here and then come back and talk about Uncharted. Um, I actually did see a movie, uh, the weekend released of the 11th, but I was on vacation from work, so kind of wanted to take a break from the podcast and just rest up. Did a lot of spring cleaning. I hadn't done that in my apartment in a very long time, so got that out of the way. Feel good. Feel better about myself. But I did go out and see, uh, Marry Me starring Jennifer Lopez. And Owen Wilson, which is a, it was a rom-com with a ridiculous storyline. So the story was Jennifer Lopez in character as a singer, which, you know, that's what she is in real life also. Uh, she does this song with this one guy that she has a relationship with and they're going to get married in front of a live audience in the concert and all that. But minutes before they're about to go on together, she finds out that she's cheating on him through like they find out through like a TMZ or something like that. So that goes astray. And she does like this out of nowhere, like, I'm still going to get married tonight and picks out a random guy. And the random guy is Owen Wilson. Like, what a bizarre, like, plot, like, ridiculous, you know, starting point of a movie. But it was actually pretty cheesy and it was fun and it was charming. And I liked it a lot. And I miss romantic comedies on the big screen. Most of these days now, they're all on Netflix. And for the most part, I probably haven't seen most of them. And. I don't know, I just, I have a hard time, like, I have to be really sold on a original streaming movie, like, I really have to be sold on it. If not, I'm probably just gonna, it'll just be there, and I'll, I'll never get to it. There's something about seeing it on the big screen, and seeing it with big movie stars. You know, Jennifer Lopez is just still a marvel to look at on screen, like, she's super beautiful, still at 50 plus years old, so she's awesome. Owen Wilson, I never understood why he got these roles, like, you know, I remember, like, Wedding Crashers, like, but that one's more raunchy and, and, and it's for the comedy and you get that aspect of it. Um, but then watching him in this one, he was super charming in it. And I finally understood, like, okay, this makes sense. Like, he's so comfortable in his skin now. Like, I think maybe in those earlier movies it was kind of a little awkward, but he's he had the comedic aspect down of it. But here in Marry Me, he gets to actually bring out the charm where, yes, it's a, a romantic comedy, but... He has to bring out the charmness, the romantic side of it, and he does that pretty well here. The soundtrack's great for this movie. Uh, it did well on Valentine's Day uh, across the movie theaters in the nation. 
So it wasn't number one, didn't make a lot of money. It was, it's considered a dud, obviously, but it was also on streaming on Peacock, but it did have a, a, a spot at number one at the box office on Valentine's Day. So there's little glimmers of hope. I know it was during Valentine's Day. So maybe that's the going trend for movies like this to still have life at the box office is to release it around or on Valentine's Day. That way it has a shot to at least make some money. But it's still out there in theaters right now, and I highly recommend it. And again, if you're still not comfortable and if you want to watch it at home, you want to have a date night, cook a nice dinner, and then sit on the couch and watch watch a movie uh, with your significant other, turn on Peacock. It's only 5 bucks for the premium. Uh, and watch Marry Me. Or if you're ready to go out there and have some fun, that's a not, it's a really nice date movie. It's charming, it's funny, and the music's great. So just wanted to throw that out there that I did watch a movie. I, I've been consistent on it. I just didn't, didn't have time to make an episode about it. I really wanted to kind of like just catch up and do other things in my home life and, and just rest up as we prepare for the Batman at work, which will probably be insane. Um, other things that happened during my little break was there were some trailers that came out. So... We finally got our first look at Jurassic World Dominion, which is being billed as uh, as seen in the trailer. And if you, you can look it up on YouTube or if you go to some theaters, it's already playing. It's all, I, it played in front of my IMAX showing tonight of Uncharted. Looked freaking fantastic. I can't wait to see this one on the big screen. Like There's some movies that are made to be seen on an IMAX screen, and this is going to be one of them. But it's being billed as like the epic conclusion. It even says that. So they're going the Dark Knight Rises route. Where they're gonna finish like this part of the story, like, and who knows what's in store for the future of this franchise? Like, I highly doubt this is the last of the Jurassic movies. They're gonna keep making them, but this might be the final one with this cast and crew. But they're doing the right thing here, and they're gonna go all out, right? Like, if you're gonna make a trilogy, at least it's not technically a trilogy. This is part what six, um. Because it's in continuation with the original movies, like it, those movies are canon, so this isn't some like new trilogy. So, um, but this part of the story, the Jurassic World story, um, they're bringing back the original characters from the first movies. So you got Laura Dern coming back. You got Jeff Goldblum, who had like a minor appearance in Fallen Kingdom, but here I think he'll be a full-on character. Um, and then of course the cell for me. On the Jurassic movies, my favorite character of the entire franchise, Dr. Alan Grant, played by Sam Neill. Uh, it's going to be awesome to see them interact with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. Again, I wasn't a fan of the first Jurassic World, but Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom brought like the juice back for me to get me excited for these movies. Uh, it looks awesome. It's blending in, you know, the dinosaurs mixing in with the humans on you know, all across earth, like how is that going to be possible? How can dinosaurs and the humans coexist? So there's got to be a neat story in there. Like I want to know what the, the meat and potatoes is like, what's the actual story going to be? So I can't wait to see it. The visuals look great. So again, I can't wait to see this in IMAX. I think it's going to be the biggest movie of the summer. I know people are pointing to Dr. Strange still and possibly Thor love and thunder, uh, but Thor Love and Thunder, we still haven't seen any footage of it yet. And I'm super excited for that movie too. But I think this one's going to be way better or bigger than Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, and I know I get the, I'll get the Marvel marks, the usual ones. that will be like, nah, everyone's waiting for this. But it's like you're coming off the high of Spider-Man No Way Home. like, And I get it. Everybody's into the multiverse now. And 
the one thing about Doctor Strange that's making me laugh and how everybody's like all excited for it is that you're not even excited for the actual character itself. Like the movie's Doctor Strange, that's in the title, right? No, what you're excited about is who are the cameos going to be from? Like, what are the other characters like him? Whatever, but that's what y'all are excited for. But shouldn't you really be excited for the character of the actual movie? Like Batman's going to have all these people in it, you know, the, who we've seen and, and, and known from the past: Catwoman, Penguin, uh, Gordon, the Riddler. But I'm going in like I'm excited about the title character of the movie, Batman. Uh, that's what was awesome about it. Spider-Man: No Way Home again. The whole intrigue was you wanted to see all the Spider-Men together in one scene acting out and and just bringing together all this nostalgia and all this generations together. It wasn't about like, oh, like look at Matt Murdock, Daredevil. That's what I'm waiting for. And that's what it feels like for this Doctor Strange movie is that you're not even excited for him. You're excited for the cameos. So that's why I think that movie will eventually like you won't be you won't remember that movie for the Doctor Strange character, you're going to remember because of all the cameos that are going to happen. And, uh, you know, to me, like, the movie's got to be good, too. It can't just be that. So if you're already calling it awesome just because it's going to have all these different characters, but you don't care what the story is, the the consequences or whatever, or even the title character stuff, like, are, are any of y'all even just excited for Doctor Strange, the character itself? Like, I still haven't seen the first one to this day because I still think the character is kind of, eh, it's just whatever. And I've been fine without seeing that movie. So I'm going to see this one, of course, because um, obvi- it's obviously more epic. And, and there is some possibilities on who – I mean, I have no stakes in this. Like, again, I'm cho- picking and choosing what Marvel projects I want to see now going forward. Like that Moon Knight that's coming out in April, I believe, or March or whatever, late March. Like, I have no, really no interest in that. Like, nothing about that looks interesting to me. So I'm going to skip that. But I will pick and choose which doors I'm going to open. And uh, this one, yes. But I can chime in and be like, oh, well, I only want to see it because of this cameo. Because if this cameo happens, I'm good. Everything else can fuck off. But, um, yeah, no. but but back to Jurassic World Dominion. I think it's going to be the biggest movie this summer. And I underestimated the first Jurassic World and it annihilated us at work. I remember that was horrible, like, how big that movie was. Like, great for business. Like, it... It just did massive. It did a. It, I think it had the biggest opening before Star Wars took it over later uh, that December with the Force Awakens. So I remember that being like huge. Fallen Kingdom was huge as well. Like it opened huge, not as huge as the first one, but I remember like throughout the summer, like people just kept coming and coming to that movie. And it's like man, the, the dinosaur thing still works with people. So you add that element and then you bring back the original cast. Hell yeah, that's a major plus. That's a way you finish out a series. You bring back the the OGs, and it's kind of like everybody's going to be following that model, right? Like that Spider-Man No Way Home model where you bring in all these generations together, and we're going to see it later on this year in November with The Flash, and they're going to bring back Michael Keaton's Batman. So there's going to be different elements of that going forward now. Like that's kind of like going to be the blueprint for getting people to attract in huge droves to come see these movies because in the end this Jurassic World movie could have just been another chapter right but no they're building it huge like let's go all out let's bring back the entire cast from all the movies and let's make one giant thing out of it so I'm super excited for that that's the one trailer that I'm definitely definitely the most excited for and the movie I'm one of the one of the most ones that I'm excited for uh this summer um 
what did I see on the IMAX screen tonight for trailer wise? Um, I forgot about Top Gun Maverick. God bless. I hope we get that movie finally. It's supposed to release May 27th. I don't think there's going to be any, any more delays, even though we saw one with Morbius this past year, but I think that's more to do with they're trying to connect it more to Spider-Man. So I think that's one of the bigger reasons, not because, you know, they're worried about box office or anything like that. But yeah, um, May 27th, IMAX, this trailer looked amazing on that screen. And I know they, they use some like first time camera, you know, they, they tried some new things here that's never been done in movies before. So I cannot wait to see Top Gun Maverick finally after like 10 years when this movie was supposed to come out. Just kidding. It hasn't been that long, but it's been a couple of years now that we were supposed to get this movie and that trailer just got me all hyped up again. So it's going to be a good summer of movies. Um, but I still think Jurassic World Dominion is going to take the cake and be the best one. Um, well, not the best one, but it'll be the biggest. Um, let's take a break here. When we come back, I'm going to talk about Uncharted with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. Stick around. We'll be right back. The hell are you supposed to be? Vengeance. Vengeance. Vengeance! You're becoming quite a celebrity. Boy, you're everything they say, ain't you? Don't you ever just say hello? This is your legacy, Bruce Wayne. Oh, this guy's hilarious. I got you. Come on, vengeance. Who are you under there? Are you just hideously scarred? Yeah. Batman. Rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX. Only in theaters March 4th. Welcome back to the show. And man, I can't believe we're already days away from the Batman coming to the big screen. This is the first live-action solo Batman movie in 10 years. We're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of The Dark Knight Rises this year, folks. Who's with me? Woo! Yeah, I know that. That movie's flawed. I've, I've come to realize that over the years, but there's still a lot of great stuff about it. So maybe I'll do a retrospective pod. Uh, later in July to celebrate the 10-year anniversary. But yes, the first one solo in 10 years, but we've had different iterations of Batman since then. So we had, of course, Zack Snyder's version, which we saw in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, which was a March release. And then we saw um, Joss Whedon direct the Justice League, uh, which it still exists, but it doesn't exist to me. But Batman was in it, played by Ben Affleck again. Uh, that was a horrible performance, and that was, to me, I thought the end of Batman again. Um, of course, the first time being after Batman and Robin in 1997. But that one released in November, so usually I'm used to getting Batman movies uh, deep in the summer, whether it be June or July. Um, so it, it's weird that it's coming so soon already, and it's one of my most anticipated movies of the year, if not most anticipated. Um, yeah cannot wait i'm getting more and more excited each each new tv spot again i'm not as obsessed about it as i was with the dark knight trilogy in terms of like wanting to know every little thing all the inside story details 
no, I'm not. I've learned to just go with the flow. I'm going to see the movie anyway. So why ruin any of the surprises um, by going to fish for it on the Internet? But I can't help it because Batman is Batman. And the marketing that Warner Brothers pushes behind Batman is just incredible. The marketing is just everywhere from pizza to freaking uh, gosh, It's just everywhere. There's a commercial for it almost every other uh, on Twitter ads. Um, on YouTube, there's just, uh, so many commercials for it. I can't help it. I mean, I just end up watching them and man, this movie looks like it's going to be something, at least visually. Hopefully, story wise, it'll be good. But Matt Reeves, he looks as committed as someone like a James Gunn or a Chris Nolan that are just so deep into what world they're trying to give us that I think it's going to be something special. And I think this will be a much, much, uh, more of a, deeper darker movie and not as like fun as the marvel ones usually are where that one's more about the pop this one's going to be more about like gritty story it looks like seven it looks like zodiac it looks like a batman that's unhinged which we haven't really seen we usually see batman kind of like more in control of himself this is more like this is a based on the second year of batman i think in, in that world so he's young and he still doesn't have it all figured out and, you know, we saw the origin with Batman Begins, but by the time he was Batman in that movie, he, he felt like he had it figured out, like, what to do and whatever. Here it looks like, you know, the Batmobile is just a regular car. Um, his costume's, like, not all gadgety. Like, I mean, it's got gadgets on it, but it looks, like, homemade and not high-tech and high-powered like the Dark Knight trilogy was or even the Michael Keaton version. So, yeah, super excited. But, again, it's a few days away, uh, and I'm already getting too excited about it. But let's talk about Uncharted, the movie that I checked out this week. Saw it on the IMAX screen. I mean, if it's there and if it's in that format uh, and if I have the, the opportunity. if it's I mean, Again, Uncharted was a number one at the box office, but it wasn't, like, a huge, like, sellout. Like, even, like, during the week, I saw it on a Monday night. Uh, so there were seats available, so I went to go see it on the IMAX uh, directed by Ruben Fleischer. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. He did Zombieland, um, Venom, Gangster Squad, and now that Uncharted has actually made money this weekend at the box office, this guy's gonna continue to get gigs. But his movies haven't particularly been that good. Um, Zombieland, I remember liking it, but I don't remember it being like all too, like, wow either. And then of course there was Venom in 2018, and all these movies made money. But Venom, I remember liking that one because Tom Hardy made that movie. The story itself was just, bleh, and the directing was kind of like, bleh, whatever. Um, I didn't know he was directing this uh, movie until I saw the end credits. So, um, again, I guess that goes to show, like, he really doesn't have a, a staple yet or, a, you know, a signature to know that, you know, when you're watching the Tarantino movie, you know it's Tarantino. When it's Scorsese, you know it's Scorsese. When it's J.J. Abrams, you know it's J.J. Abrams, you know, so on, so on. There's directors where you know it's them that's directing that feature. So, again, this may just be a guy. And all credit to him. I mean, he's going to keep getting gigs, right? These movies are making money. So, you know, kudos to him. Uh, as far as the Uncharted movie, this one stars Tom Holland coming off the huge Spider-Man No Way Home. So he's more of a recognizable name. Obviously, he's been in the other Avengers movies. And he was in Captain America Civil War. That was his introduction. And he's had two Spider-Man movies before, before this uh, past third one. So at face value, like he's more recognizable now. And after the success of No Way Home, 
uh, raking in almost a billion dollars. I think at the box office, if if not, I think it's broken it already. Um, yeah, he's hopefully the one of the next big uh, movie stars, and I I'm all for that, right? Like I want there to be movie stars again. So if Tom Holland can get roles and you know do other movies that are not Spider Man related and that drives audiences to go want to see his movies. Cool, I'm all for that. Let's get that going again because that helps create other stars and so on and so forth. And I'm glad that they got stars like this for for an Uncharted movie, even though I'm unfamiliar with the the property. Again, I'm not a video game guy. I go based on what the movie is. Um, like, how does that adaptation work? Like, I wasn't a huge comic book guy, you know, reading comics growing up. Did I own some? Sure, I owned a couple of Batman comics, but I'm not like deep into the. Uh, mythology of everything, but I can enjoy the movies and see what they present on screen as a story because I judge movies for them being the movie, not like, oh, did they get the source material right or did they get, they got the costume wrong or whatever. Like, I don't give a shit about that. Tell me a good story. Um, Uncharted to me was just, it was a huge nothing, guys. Like, this movie did nothing for me. Um, the story was so bland and generic. It's a mix of it wanting to be Raiders of the Lost Ark. It wants to be a brand new Indiana Jones type of movie, which if you're going to use a template, like, of course, use one of the greatest adventure movies of all time, right? Raiders of the Lost Ark. But at least try to get a good story and more invested into the screenplay. It was just so bland to me. So it's a mix of that. It's a mix of National Treasure where it's them, like, going through tunnels and using like artifacts as keys to open doors to another room. And so it felt a lot of mixture of Raiders and national treasure. Obviously the, both of those were better movies. So here you, you just have like a lot of copycat, but again, it's, it's, this is a movie that hasn't been done before with this title. Um, so Tom Holland plays Nathan Drake and Mark Wahlberg plays Victor Sully. So those are the two characters from the video game movie. And look, I mean, it looks to be that's what the game was more about, right? The 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 maps and the the adventures and the 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 action and all that. But as a movie, it just didn't work. Maybe if it had gotten a better screenplay, because they should, certainly could have gotten a, a better screenwriter for this, because it just felt like such a B movie. And I appreciated some of the things in this movie, like Tom Holland trying, right? Like he's trying to be a movie star. And I get that. He's got the look down. You know, he he obviously still was in Spider-Man shape because there was a lot of scenes where he was without his shirt. That's to drive the young female audience who loved him as Spider-Man. So they're going to come out and see him in this. So as far as like the sex appeal of a movie star, like he's got that going. So but one of the things he has to let go is and I know he's still young, so he'll flesh out as he continues to grow as an actor, we hope. But he needs to get away, start kind of getting away from doing the Peter Parker stuff because you're kind of starting to see it in, in everything that he does. Even like when he's out doing like promotion, like he's just acting like Peter Parker all the time. Like, stop, like, no, like grow up a, just a little bit. That's kind of the whole thing of this last Spider-Man, right? Was to kind of grow up and learn responsibility and mature and grow. So he was doing some things here in this movie where it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like he's believable as a leading guy. And then all of a sudden he does like, because he's supposed to be playing kind of like an older character. He's not a he's not playing a high schooler, right? This is a guy like grown man with a grown job and you know, just off doing adventures and fighting villains and and all that high stakes. And um and then there's like he's doing these action scenes, he's fighting, looks credible, and then he d- says like lines that make him sound like a kid like, "Oh, 
oh, oh, well, you know, he does that Peter Parker thing, and it's like, dude, stop, like, grow out of that, like, go into that next stage of your career where you you can be a leading man and not us thinking like, oh, damn it, I'm just watching him being Peter Parker just in a different role. So there was times where he did that, and it took me out of it, but I appreciated that he's trying. So it's it remains to be seen if this guy is going to be like a good actor going forward. But he's got movie star potential. Obviously, he's got the audience for it. Of course, this movie didn't come out too far after Spider-Man, so he's got a little bit of that luck, too, where it's like every that movie's still fresh in everybody's minds. Had Uncharted come out like maybe a year or two later after Spider-Man, would it have had the same box office success? Who knows? But we have to judge it on what it is now. And people came out to see that movie, so he's got that going for him. And I like that he tried. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, on the other hand. I love Mark Wahlberg. We know he can turn it on acting-wise when he has to. We've seen him in stuff like The Departed, Boogie Nights. Um, he's got a movie coming up in April called Father Stew where it looks like that's more of an awards contender type. Like That's him really trying to put on a performance. This movie, he's totally cakewalking through the role. It's it's total Mark Wahlbergism, uh, like beat for beat, and it's exact. It, it's exactly how I predicted it was going to be. Although I didn't think he was going to mirror a lot of the stuff that he did in the movie Patriots Day. Now that movie's more serious, and he's good in it. But there's a lot of stuff in that movie where it's like he's conveniently in every important situation in that movie. And that movie is based on real events, and he's like a fictional character in that real world. So I found it funny that he was in spots like conveniently for for the basis of the of the story, and he does a lot of that here. Where obviously this is Tom Holland's movie; he's the star of it. Mark Wahlberg's in the supporting role, which it's weird that we're at that point now, right? Like you know, years ago, Mark Wahlberg would have been the leading character in this movie, but you know, he's up there in age now, and just you know, time passes us by, and it's weird how we're going to see a lot of these actors who were like the main characters in movies kind of start to become like side characters especially when they're dealing with uh actors that are younger and can play those you know roles where they can be more uh do a lot more physical stuff and i'm not saying mark Wahlberg's like not capable of doing physical stuff but you know he's also not a young buck either um but he totally cakewalks this role you know he's just doing it's weird because i was trying to figure out this character of the sully um, and people have said online that, oh, he's miscast as this. And it's like, I don't give a shit. Like, stop with your fanboy casting and stop trying to make Nathan Fillion a thing. I know it's something that all these fanboy marks who think they know how to cast movies, like, they always pick that guy for some reason. Like, let it go. Like, no, Mark Wahlberg's a movie star. Like, I'm fine with him being in this. But the thing with this movie is that it didn't matter who it was because the story was garbage and the screen was ba- screenplay was bad. So it didn't matter. So, yes, Mark Wahlberg was bad in it, but it wouldn't have mattered. It could have been Nathan Fillion, who all you fanboys want to cast as. It would have been just as bad because the script was bad. Um, but Mark Wahlberg's all over the place with this role. Like, there's points where he's he's trying to be serious and like a mentor kind of thing. And then there's other parts where he's acting like a child, like in the way he reacts and bounces off Tom Holland, where it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're supposed to be like the more grown, mature adult, and you're like getting giddy because he Tom Holland gets a piece of gold, and you act like it's candy. Like I found that to be very weird. He was going back and forth, and again, this was probably just a paycheck to Mark Wahlberg. Like no offense to him, and no offense to any actors that do that, because you know at the end of the day, you still got to put food on the table. You got to put, you know, you got to take care of your family and all that stuff. So 
every once in a while if you take a paycheck movie that's fine where you just like sleepwalk through it and that's all i was predicting that is i was like just watch i'm gonna go into uncharted and mark Wahlberg's just gonna sleepwalk through this thing and that's basically what he does he's just there he quips and you know it's like any other like generic mark Wahlberg performance that you've seen like in a blockbuster type like a contraband or you know i'm not talking about his good serious stuff but like you know just stuff where he plays a guy like the italian job where he's just like he's just a guy although he's he's cooler in the italian job here he's like a kind of a geek a little bit um but he go again he goes back and forth from being serious and then you know and then all of a sudden like he's buddy buddy with tom holland but then in the next scene like you know he's he doesn't like them or they don't like each other back and forth the buddy cop aspect of this movie didn't work either like there was points where Again, I never bought it when they were like working together that they liked each other or like it didn't it didn't feel earned. Everything felt forced and it was just quick turns right away. Again, this movie's all over the place. It, it structurally like it was it didn't flow. So there, that's another part of it. Uh the supporting cast uh, other than Wahlberg is completely bland. Like no life whatsoever. Uh, you got these two female characters that are on the trail of them or with them at some points, and there's just no life to them. Like, no offense to them. Like, and again, a lot of this is based on a bad screenplay. So, again, the movie just feels super generic and bland. Antonio Banderas is built as the main villain of this movie. And spoilers, he's so such a total nothing in this movie. It's total smoke and mirrors. So for anybody going to this, that's like all about like, yeah, Antonio Banderas. Like, no, like you're going to get severely disappointed. I'm just going to, that's the one spoiler I'm going to put out on this movie is go in with little expectations for his character. Cause I, by the, by the time, like whatever happens to him in the movie happens. And at the point in the movie, you're like, what? Like, <laughs> this is it. This is how, this is how it goes down. Uh, I was like, all right, whatever. This movie sucks already anyway. But but I will say, again, other than Holland trying, um, and I'll give Mark Wahlberg a pass because I'm sure it was a paycheck movie. So I could, I was able to at least enjoy him sleepwalking through it. So anytime he was being stupid, like, for example, there's a scene in this movie where they're in Barcelona. And it's clear, like, total, like, you know, marketing on the screen for you. Um forgot what the terminology is for it but i'm blanking right now but anyways they're, they're at a papa john's and mark Wahlberg gets into this fight with this with one of the villains and he has to mention that he's in a papa john's but it's clearly stated that, like it's clearly shown to you that they're there so it's just total like just total marketing uh and super cheesy but the fact that i was able to enjoy that aspect of it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good but i it, i wasn't looking at my watch like oh when is this thing over i just thought as i was watching this is preposterous um, the, the final act of the movie, the action sequence, which I'm sure this is where most of the budget went to. Again, this movie cost 120 million to make. So there's this huge giant third act with like pirate ships and helicopters. And obviously you've seen in the trailers where, where Holland's character is like hanging off a plane on some crates, which again, logic and physics, it's like, whatever the fuck ever on that we were like well that's what happens in the video game well that's the fucking video game okay this is a movie like i want it to be more logical um but again it's fantasy they're going after gold and pirate ships and whatever um not a lot of depth also on the backstory of the characters again if you play the video games you'll understand these characters but for someone who's watching it like how you're presenting them to me as a movie like that matters like you have to give me depth on the characters like how did 
Tom Holland. Like they show a little backstory of him as a young kid. But then it's like, how does he know how to parkour fight and all this stuff? Like, I don't get like how, like just, just because, yeah, he likes to hunt treasure or gold or mysteries or whatever. How does that make him all of a sudden just like parkour again, Peter Parker, he can like bounce off stuff and then just fight and, and do whatever. Like some, a lot of that stuff just didn't make sense to me. And again, I know to turn off your brain for stuff like this, but you have to make some of that stuff make sense so I could care about the character. If they had mentioned, if they had thrown a little line in there like, oh, I, I took like jujitsu classes or whatever, you know, whatever, something of that nature, then I, I won't roll my eyes at him like fighting the way he does without any ex- explanation or little explanation, I should say. Um, but yeah, the third act, that was enjoyable. It's about a good 10, maybe 15 minutes of the final movie. Um, and that was about as fun as the movie got. But by the time we hit to that point, I was like, this movie's like, this movie sucks. Um, but again, hats off that it made money this weekend. So uh, again, that's always good for our business. And I know that means we're probably going to get a sequel to this. Could I watch these two characters again? Oh my gosh. I, I guess I could, but it's not like, um, it's not like one of those I would see on opening weekend. Like I could wait like a week or two or whatever. Like they, they didn't get me that invested to be like, Oh, I want to see these characters again in the, in another adventure, which they clearly leave it for you at the end of this movie, which I hate it when they do that because if it's not set in stone that you're going to get a sequel, like, and for a movie like this, it wasn't sure that you're going to get a sequel because this thing could have tanked and made like only like five, 10, 10, 15 million at the most, 20 if that. And it would have been considered a dud and we wouldn't get a sequel. And then you'd be left with that stinger for like no reason. So that's why I'm all in favor of telling complete stories. I'm okay with giving little hints about something down the road, but not make it your entire identity where you're the end of your entire movie is to like, Oh, tune in next time folks. But if it doesn't make money, Oh, well, like I remember, I think, I think the divergence series has happened with that. One of those movies left off on a cliffhanger and they never finished it off. So like, cause the movies just kept losing money year after year. Um, but yeah, overall I didn't like this movie. Um, would I recommend it to anybody? I mean, sure. I mean, it's, it's not super long either. You would ex- expect nowadays, like a movie like this could have easily been something like two hours and 15 minutes for no reason, but it's, it's about like an hour 50, hour 55 probably. And, um, you know, it's never boring but again the story's so bland and like again you we've seen better movies of like this type right raiders national treasure even i love those movies like those have better stories and better use of of the of the actors you know what works for them um here it's like if they had gotten a better screenplay this this could be something and that could be something for the sequel down the line but it's wait and see on that but you know whatever a lot of the audience liked it um i think it's it's rotten on rotten tomatoes but the audience score is pretty high so people are liking this so you know i i I, you know like what you like right i'm just giving you my opinion always judge it for yourself um but i don't need to revisit this movie like at all and and i got what i wanted out of it (laughs) i got my sleepwalking mark Wahlberg role and there's little you know hints that uh tom holland can be a movie star in the years to come because he's still very young but that's uncharted folks let's take a break when we come back we're gonna talk a little wrestling a lot of stuff going on on the road to wrestlemania 38 
a stupendous two-night event this time. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, and man, I thought I was going to be out of WWE for now, but they pulled me back in with the return of Ronda Rousey a few weeks ago at the Royal Rumble. Uh, she's going to be challenging Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania. We got Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar title for title winner take all. I've seen that match over and over again, even when to an actual WrestleMania live in person. My first WrestleMania ever, that was the main event. So whatever with that. Um, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, haven't really actually seen like a, a full on like match without any shenanigans. So that's got a good story behind it too. So I can get behind that. But let's get to, um, two interesting stories. Uh, both are actually going to deal with WWE, but the second one also has to deal with AEW. So let's talk about the first one. So. After 20 years and after so many uh, different attempts at trying to bring this person back for at least a couple of matches or whatever, one little mini run, there was a report out last week that supposedly Stone Cold Steve Austin is in talks or has been talked to about coming out of retirement to do a match at WrestleMania. And you may be asking, why now? Why after 20 years? Why are they finally, why are they like going that deep into the well for that? Well, here's a couple of things, folks. One, A, is they haven't, WWE, that is, hasn't been able to create new like big stars on a big level, on a Brock Lesnar level, on a Roman Reigns level, on a John Cena level. Like they, they just haven't. And a lot of that is WWE's own fault in their creative and how they book people and how they use people on television. It's of their own doing, right? So it's their fault. So they've gone back on a lot of the nostalgia. So they've gone back to Goldberg a lot. Edge has returned, even though he's still like, I mean, he's not in his prime anymore, but he can still like go. He's on a current run right now, but he's already considered like a legend. Like he's in their damn Hall of Fame already. Um, Undertaker's already retired. He's going into the Hall of Fame this year. Um, the Rock is all tied up in Hollywood right now. So who's left that's like, you know, that's not gone to AEW like Jericho and a lot of the WWE guys that they let, they've let go gone over to AEW. Who do they have left that they can, you know, go to for like a big attraction? Well, you go to the well, you go to the biggest star of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin, at least in my eyes. I think he's the greatest of all time. Um, and number two, and this is probably the more bigger reason, WrestleMania is in Dallas again this year at AT&T Stadium. Now, that's a stadium that can hold over 100,000 people. Um, they were there for WrestleMania 32, and I think they ended up doing like 80,000 or something like that. But that show was loaded with a lot of talent. And even then, they brought Austin in to do stuff for that. They brought in Shawn Michaels and McFoley and The Rock and Cena. Like, everybody was at that show. Um, but this year, they're not going to have Cena. They're not going to have The Rock. So, And I believe the ticket sales also haven't been like big for it. 
But what could get people to buy tickets to Mania, including yours truly, after hearing this? Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling again in a match? Hell yeah, that's an automatic sell for me to go to WrestleMania. Will I actually go? Probably not. Um, but the fact that that thought entered my head right away, hell yeah. So that report came out of him wrestling the match. Well, who's he going to fight? Who do they want him to face? And here I'm like, uh, I'm not as obsessed as I used to be, but I still read like the behind the scenes of what's going on. And I follow like the correct wrestling journalists who, who follow all this stuff, like a Sean Rossap or a, a Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez, you know, those guys that are in Andrew Zarian of Matt Men Pro Wrestling. Um, you know, I follow those guys for the scoops and they've all, they've all mentioned it as a, as it being like a real thing. Like, I know there's been talk throughout the years, oh, Stone Cold could only come back for one match or whatever. But even Stone Cold himself has, has said that he wouldn't come back. You know, he's, he's retired. He had his last match. He went out on his back. But, you know, money talks at some point. And if the creative is interesting enough, you know, never say never in WWE and in wrestling. I think that's the best thing about pro wrestling in general is that you can never say never. You know, we've seen Hulk Hogan leave WWF at the time, go to WCW, have a giant run there, change the business, and then come back. So, you know, stuff always happens in wrestling. Like, it's never, we never thought we were going to see Daniel Bryan back in a wrestling ring. He was forced to retire in WWE and then came back and had a minor run. And as champion also. And now we're seeing him in AEW as Bryan Danielson. Having like matches of his life right now. Like he's back doing it again. Like never say never in wrestling. CM Punk walked out in 2014 from WWE. He had had enough wrestling. Like the passion was, you know, just killed out of him. And now he's back in AEW and it looks like to be having like the most fun he's ever had. I've ever seen him in wrestling. So (laughs) never say never. And I think CM Punk proved that like, holy shit, like. He broke that barrier of like never say never because this guy said he was completely done. So now like what's the next logical thing? Who's the only one that hasn't come back to do a match? We've seen The Rock come back. We've seen Goldberg. You know, we've seen all these different Flair, Hogan. They've all come back and done matches like way past their time. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Could I get behind that? Like, I don't know, like. So the rumored opponent is Kevin Owens, and they've been, like, putting teases out there on Raw and and all that stuff. Him, like, bashing Texas. But it's like, is that what the sell is, like, for Steve Austin? I mean, I I guess, you know, he can do whatever he wants. But I, Steve Austin and the way he's talked in interviews and on his show and all that stuff, he's, he's very deep on creative and, like, the story and all that. It's not just about doing the match. It's about what the story is behind it. What's the lead up to it? If Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to come out of retirement just to defend the honor of Texas, like, uh, the, the sell, the story wise doesn't do it for me. The, the sight of him coming out to wrestle a match, the glass shattering, the crowd losing their shit, him getting on the ropes and doing his salute and all that stuff, like, hell yeah. Like, I'm, I get excited about that. But the story, and who it's going to be. I love Kevin Owens. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, my dream for Stone Cold Steve Austin was always to do a match with, like, a CM Punk or Brock Lesnar, right? Like, that was the ultimate match, like, before Austin walked out in 2002 
that's the match I wanted to see. You know, Brock Lesnar was an up and comer, and Stone Cold Steve Austin was looking for something to to really sink sink his teeth into. And that would have been like a huge money match for like a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam. But, you know, injuries took their toll. And, you know, again, in 2003 was when he had his last, you know, actual wrestling match against The Rock. And, you know, he went out like he lost and that was it. Like, but we've seen people come back. You know, Trish Stratus had a farewell match, but then came back years later to have one final match. Lita just had one. Um, you know, we saw her have a retirement match, but they've come back. Mick Foley, we've seen them all do it. So I don't think we could ever count Stone Cold Steve Austin out of that equation. Did I ever think Tom Brady was going to play for another NFL team? Hell no. But he went to another team, won another Super Bowl, and, and ended his career that way. Just retired. Who knows? Now, whether nothing's confirmed yet or anything, but these guys that I follow, like, they tell, they report on this stuff, and it's pretty much always accurate. So there's at least talks, like it's hap- like it's it's going on, and if if that happens, like holy shit, WrestleMania now becomes must see. And I know WrestleMania is going to be a two night event, but if that becomes the case, and don't even tease what night it's going to be on, so that way you tune in both nights. Like where where is Stone Cold Steve Austin's match going to be on that card? It has to be high up, right? But the thing about WrestleMania it being two nights, it can actually headline one of the nights. Stone Cold Steve Austin, the biggest name in the history of pro wrestling, coming back for one match after 20 years. And not that, I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin's older now, but he's also had his body time to heal and and all that stuff. And, and it's not like Austin is some technical, like, wrestler. I mean, he was early in his career, but, like, towards, you know, the latter part of his career, and after all the injuries he sustained, he was more of a brawler. He all he did was kick and punch, and you know he he handled a lot of the offense. Like he didn't take a lot of stuff, so he could do it, I think. But the thing is, like, is Steve Austin passionate enough? Is he invested enough to come back? Now, would I want it for him to come back and it'd be like a three minute nothing? No, I'd want it to be like a fifteen, maybe ten, fifteen minute match. At the most, 20 if I'm lucky. But if this is all just for him to come back and it's like a three-minute thing, like then is it really a match? Like that's smoke and mirrors to me. Like if I want him to come back, have him come back and do an actual match. But that then if he does that, like does he feel good about it? Is he open to the possibility of doing something else? Maybe with a Brock Lesnar down the line or a Goldberg even. Who knows? But that's a real possibility now in 2022 and for this year's WrestleMania. The return of Stone Cold Steve Austin. My favorite wrestler ever. It's a tie between him and Jericho. But I think Austin, overall body of work and longevity and history, if I look back on it like 20 years from now uh, or 20 years down the line, I think I'll remember loving Austin more. So that's exciting. And again, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. WWE, damn you. Like, it's not as good as it used to be, but if you can bring back Ronda Rousey, if you can elevate, continue to elevate Becky Lynch and freaking Stone Cold Steve Austin comes back. And another element to this, and let's get to the second big wrestling story that leaked last week. Cody Rhodes, one of the founding 
fathers of all elite wrestling, the other company that has upstarted and has been like legit competition, a legit alternative to WWE since the days of the Attitude Era when there was WCW. He's left the company. He is now a free agent. He did not resign, and there's different reports of why he didn't resign or why they didn't want to resign him. There's a lot of back and forth, and um, I don't care about really that aspect of it. Um, the big deal is is like, oh shit, like this could be the first AEW superstar to jump back over to WWE, and it's kind of a big deal. This is kind of like when. Uh, when Chris Jericho did it back in, in 1999, when he left WCW after he was being underutilized there, w- wanted to look on the other side of things, look for greener pastures, and he went over to WWF at the time and became a part of the Attitude Era, and then you know he cemented his legacy over there. When Cody Rhodes, the thing about Cody Rhodes is he was in WWE for the longest time and did a lot of stuff there, but he was never presented as a top guy. He was always on the undercard. Or if he was in the main events, he was paired up with like another top star, like a Randy Orton or or whatever. So he, on his own, decided to leave WWE and 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 check out what life is like outside of the machine. So he tested out like the indie promotions, like Ring of Honor, and you know he went to New Japan, I believe, and then of course was involved with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, and they all did this huge pay-per-view event called All In, and that led to the inception of, of AEW, and they've upstarted this promotion, and Cody Rhodes was a huge part of that, getting a huge TV network deal on TNT. They got a, a weekly show. They got two weekly shows, uh, one two hours and one one hour. Uh, Cody Rhodes was a huge part of that and was involved in a lot of big storylines, you know, before they got CM Punk, before they got Brian Danielson, before they got a lot of the released WWE talent that are kind of like bigger in name. He was a big, huge part of that early history of AEW. So him leaving is really a big deal. So now the question is, where does, what does he do next? Is he going to go back to WWE? And it's not like they had a falling out or anything like that. Again, they mutually parted ways and Cody Rhodes left on his own. And he, I don't think he, I mean, he's taken subtle shots at WWE, but all in good fun. But I don't think he ever has anything bad to say about WWE. Like, oh, I hated working there or whatever. I mean, at least I don't think. I mean, I could be wrong on that. But, I mean, the stuff that I've seen with Cody Rhodes, he's always, it's always like a wink. Not really like I hated it over there. So the door is open for him. And again, this whole never say never, like Vince will bring people back. And if he brings back Cody Rhodes to WWE, Cody Rhodes is now in the driver's seat. He's going to be a bigger star now. He's going to get the opportunity to be one of the main guys on that show, not presented on the undercard. At least, you know, history tells us otherwise. But here's an opportunity to kind of chase course, right? Change the narrative, like, Hey, it's not everybody leaving WWE to AEW. Like, it could be a little bit of both back and forth. Because if they can present Cody Rhodes, again, I'm talking hypothetically, if he comes back to WWE and they present him well and they give him good storylines and matches, doesn't that kind of raise the eyebrow of some of the other wrestlers in AEW who feel like maybe they're not getting, you know, presented in the way that they should be? Like, uh, I don't know. Brian Cage, Wardlow, MJF, 
you know, you know, MJF is presented as a, a big deal in AEW right now, but let's say he looks over and sees how Cody Rhodes is like main eventing WrestleMania and in good storylines and all that. Doesn't that kind of make him think like, hmm, what if I test the waters? And that's a win-win for wrestling fans. I'm not one of these stupid wrestling idiot fan marks that are like, choose one brand over the other, or one's evil, one's good, one sucks, one's awesome. Like, no, I want it to all be fucking awesome. Like, I'm mad as hell that WWE isn't as good as I, I know it can be. Like, it could be so, like, AEW and WWE could be on the same length right now, on the same wavelength as far as, like, quality. But right now, like, I have to be honest with myself, like, AEW is delivering the better product. But if it can change course, like, if Vince, I know Vince McMahon is already, like, a super old guy in his 70s, I think maybe close to 80. I know he's not the guy for the future, but if, if he can start getting those, People that are, are around him, like, I wish Shawn Michaels would probably get in more involved in this. I know he's an older guy, too, but he understands the business, I think, and knows that the future is in these younger stars and start to build them and develop them and give them better storylines. This is WWE's opportunity with Cody Rhodes. Again, hypothetically, if he comes back, give him a good run and give him, present him well. Present him as a big star, as a big deal. And that will just trickle on down to the rest of the, the the roster there and everyone will try harder and I know it's it won't be exactly like AEW but if it gets to a point where it could actually be competitive again like that's just going to be awesome for everybody like right now I, I I'm 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 still like a dread watching WWE where it's like uh like no but imagine like watching every Monday every Wednesday every Monday every Wednesday and it's like freaking all awesome on all ends like I, I just want that for the wrestling landscape, like, just, I want it all to be good, I don't want one to win over the other, I don't want WWE to go out of business, I don't want AEW to go out of business, I don't want it to just be one again, because we've seen what it's like for over 20 plus years, what one side and what it looks like, become stale and all that, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Cody Rhodes, um, and they're already teasing him uh, on Monday Night Raw, so... It's not guaranteed, but you don't drop nuggets like that and it not happening. I mean, I, I just been watching wrestling too long. You just know it's probably going to happen. So there's that. And then there's the Stone Cold Steve Austin thing to look out for. And if those two things end up happening, like what a WrestleMania it's going to be. Like it's going to be must see and it's going to be talked about. And this is just going to be good for WWE all around. Stone Cold Steve Austin in the short term. Like, they'll dominate. Like, that'll be the thing, right? Like, if he comes back for a match, you're going to see it all over ESPN, whatever. Stone Cold Steve Austin is back one night only, WrestleMania. They're going to dominate the headlines for that. But long term, if Cody Rhodes is presented awesome and he's getting the opportunity to show what he can do as a main event level type guy, um, it'll make AEW maybe question question like letting him go you know things like that and it just becomes like this counterbalance on on both sides right and and it gives options for for the wrestlers too this is just good for the wrestlers all around so i want it to work if it happens right i want cody rhodes not just to come back to wwe and be like whatever like no present him as a star as a guy who came over from the other side and you brought him back home like come on do it wwe please like 
if you're gonna have me latch on and come back for like one final big run, like get this going and get it, get the competitiveness going on both sides. Ugh. I'm 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 so looking forward to this. It's gonna be awesome. But that's down the road. I'll keep you updated on that as we head towards WrestleMania 38, which is coming to you on a Saturday and Sunday, April 2nd and 3rd from AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. Could be the biggest WrestleMania ever if this happens. And the card's not looking too bad either. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Again, go check out Uncharted. It's number one at the box office right now. Marry Me is still out there in theaters on Peacock. Check that one out as well. I recommend that one over Uncharted, but you know, if you like action, you like Tom Holland, go watch it. Um, yeah, um, you can find this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. I would greatly appreciate it. I do share this podcast link through all my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the Podbean app. All of my episodes are on there. They're also available all on Apple Podcasts. Hit the subscribe button there. Um, also available on iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcast. Um, I think, Pan, Pan, did I mention Pandora? Well, anyway, it's, it's on as many platforms as I can get it on right now. And, uh, I'll try to get it on some more. And I've just hit like the 6,000 downloads of this show, Mark. So thank you guys so much for all of you that have listened to this show, who have taken part in this show. Um, I can't tell you how much it means the world to me. Like all I ever wanted was to get 10 people to listen to the show. And I would consider that a success for myself, but I guess I got to start raising the bar for myself, right? I got to find a new goal to hit and, and, and reach it as I continue to grow as a podcaster, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Um, the Batman's coming soon folks. And we'll look at, um, I'll probably do a podcast next week, um, just recapping all the Batman that we've gotten up until now. I'll do, probably do a ranking of of everything Batman and just more hype as we, we gear up for its release on March 4th, which is coming in a little less than two weeks. So take care and God bless you.